Welcome to Cover Zero this week, ladies and gentlemen. We are without our host, Brandy, tonight. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it. However, tonight we have a very special guest. We have Kaylin Jones from The Ringer, formerly with The Athletic, joining the show. Say what's up to the people, Kaylin. Uh, <laughs> what's good, guys? Thanks for having me. We appreciate having you on, man. And now, with uh, when do you uh, officially start uh, with The Ringer? So I officially start on Monday. Um, they they hired me, you know, uh, towards the middle of the month, not too long after I got laid off by the athletic. But um, I'm starting on Monday, so it's it's been a nice few weeks of you know kind of recharge and reset before you know jumping into a new beat. Okay, yeah. absolutely. And being as close as you were, a lot of the time uh, when you were with the athletic, you were writing about Texas football and. One of the, the the article that I wanted to at least get a little bit more from you on was when you wrote about the march that the team did up to the state capitol in the blazing heat. And something that at least I love to see about sports, and I think that any fan to any degree loves to see, is where real life and sports meld. So what was it, it like with your you covering the University of Texas football and seeing them them go through that? What was that like? So, you know, like it, it was unfortunate that um, the the event was actually the march was, you know, kind of held off from media. Like um, not too many people knew about it until um, it had already been underway. And actually, like I actually wasn't even there. Like there were only two reporters who were there and a bunch of camera people um, got the info from I believe it was like one of the firefighters who was there. So it, it ended up being like a little bit of a media frenzy. But um, again, like I, I was you know, lucky that I had a, a peer there in Omar Richardson who used to cover the NFL and covers Texas now uh, for Orange Bloods, which is the rival site. And um, he put me on. He had a live stream of the whole event, actually. So um, I can speak from my perspective as a young black man. And, you know, obviously, you know, seeing these athletes, one, um, at a university like Texas, which, you know, arguably is, you know, the biggest college football brand, you know, in the country for one. And secondly, um, just the fact that they're willing to do that in the South where, you know, racism is a little bit more deeply ingrained. Right. True. Um, right. It's just wild to, you know, see players, you know, take take advantage of the power that they have. Because, I mean, it's always been there, but for the players to recognize it and take advantage of it and wield it. Um, I wish I had been there to witness it just, you know, you know, see it myself. But, you know, I definitely exchanged pleasantries with a, a bunch of parents explaining, hey, thank you for raising your sons the way that you have, because, you know, that that's what empowerment looks like. That's what taking a stand and using utilizing your power to change uh, society for better. So it, it's real. It's real cool to see. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, stuff keeps progressing out there because, you know, those kids get it. For sure. For sure. Do you within regards to where Texas is headed as a program, they haven't maybe been nationally or at least for the last couple of years, as renowned as before. Where do you? How do you think they're forming and, and at least rounding going forward, heading into the future? Um, I think they're on the right track. You know, it's taken Tom Herman, you know, a few seasons, you know, kind of redo and rebuild, you know, from the era that you know Texas kind of suffered under Charlie Strong, and yeah. you know, it was obviously unfortunate that it didn't work out with him. But um, the the foundation's been set. You know, when you look at the recruiting classes that uh, Herman has gotten. Um, and obviously it hasn't worked out and they haven't uh, maximized the talent that's been there over the past few years. But when you talk about the coaching staff that he's put in place, um, especially this year, when you talk about Chris Ash, the defensive coordinator, a uh, proven track record, formerly coached the national championship team at Ohio State, and then you've seen what Mike Yersich has done at, you know, with lesser weapons at Oklahoma State, you know, over I think it was six seasons, and then he was able to do it again at Ohio State and again, last season with Justin Fields and being in the midst of that. And when you combine all of that with the, the talent that they have right now, I think that, you know, not only foundationally are their recruiting classes setting them on the right trajectory, they finally, I think, have the coaching staff in place to finally maximize that. So moving forward, I think Texas is on the right track. I, don't, I won't say they're back, but I do think they're on the right track. And, you know, I, I was wondering about that with the new coaching staff on both sides to, and the, the two new coordinators. How are the players, you know, being able to catch on with that? Like as far as the learning the plays and whatnot, things being sent to them. You know, I, I was reading that in your article that they're doing a lot of things through Zoom. 
like the meetings and whatnot? Yeah, that's correct. So they definitely done a lot through Zoom. Um, fortunately for both sides of the ball, they had, you know, the coaching staff or at least the coordinator picks in right. place, you know, during that winter conditioning period before COVID struck and kind of shut everything down. So they were able to walk through everything and a lot have a lot of installs take place, okay. even though they weren't able to run through everything full speed. Um, right. The general, you know, gist of the playbook, the, the main pieces, at least according to Tom Herman, have been installed in there. And some of the players that I've talked to also, you know, confirmed that as well. So they're confident in what they have going. Um, you know, obviously, if they had a full off season, uh, they'd be able to, you know, have a little bit more confidence going into it. But, um, you know, they, they've got everything they need to at least foundationally in place. And, you know, with a shortened off season like this is about continuity. And obviously, you know, team camaraderie is something that these guys are definitely high on, you know, on and off the field. Um, right, right. As far as the playbook, you know, defensively, it's definitely being simplified. And offensively, it's a lot of the same that, you know, Tex already had installed. It's just utilizing different parts of it. So okay. I, I don't think it'll be as drastic as people um, are at least necessarily perceiving it, you know, going in. Right. Okay. I have, a, I have a question I wanted to ask you. You know, for you being so close to, you know, pretty much the University of Texas, what, what's your explanation of Brew McCoy pretty much just up and in, you know, leaving? After, you know, committing to you guys, you know, he was a five-star recruit, great wide receiver. He also did play defensive – also played on the defensive side of the ball at, at modern day. But what would you think be your explanation of him, you know, not wanting to be there? Um, so I, my former colleague, Antonio Morales, um, he covers USC. And, like, I, I'm from that – I'm from uh, Chino Hills, California. So, you oh, know, okay. I grew up – I grew up watching modern day. So it, it, I knew about Rue McCoy, you know, when he when he was committed to SC originally. Right, and, right. Um, I mean, as far as like the piece is concerned, like the way, you know, Morales spelled it out um, was that, you know, he kind of realized he wasn't in the right place. Like he didn't feel a true connection. He didn't feel like it was for him. Like that that's literally what it came down to. And, you know, being 18, 19 years old, I don't know how old Drew McCoy is, forgive me. But, you know, any young man at that stage in their life, to me, it's definitely understandable. Like if you feel like you don't fit somewhere, like where you're being maximized or where you feel you don't fit culture wise. Like, it, it makes sense for you to decide, you know, or flip-flop on a decision. Because to me, like, I know, you know, the old school, old heads will say, you know, like, stick something, you know, like, you pick something, you made a decision, stick through it. If you have the the ability to maneuver and put yourself in a better situation, to better your right. future, by right. all means, go for it, you know? It seemed like uh, Sam Ellinger wasn't uh, feeling it too much, though. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, mean, he little, I think he threw like a little, couple little jabs on Twitter, some low key jabs. <laughs> I honestly, I I don't remember because it was right before I got on the beat, and I wasn't oh, paying okay, too okay. much to Texas specifically. Like I didn't know, I don't know what Sam tweeted. Like I, I can't front and say I know what he tweeted, but um, you know, like I know Sam's personality at the very least and can gauge it. And I mean, he's a competitive dude. So if yeah. you're not gonna be, if you're gonna jump on his ship and then abandon it before you know, even giving it a shot. I mean, I could definitely see him being ticked off about it or at least annoyed by it. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So being from Chino Hills, does that make you, if you were to, you know, side with the college football team, would USC be the one? Would you consider yourself a Trojan at heart from when you were a kid? <laughs> that's the wild part, man. Like I never really told anyone, like I definitely grew up rooting for SC. Like Reggie Bush was my guy. It's, you know, my my girlfriend's from Austin. She's a Texas fan. So I tease her. Like, I, I know Reggie Bush deserved the Heisman Trophy, man. Like, I witnessed it. <laughs> so um, mm -hmm. I definitely, like, grew up a, a SC fan. I don't know if I was, like, a diehard, per se, like, once Carroll left, um, once they kind of were middling after that. But, yeah, no, that, that was my introduction to college football was Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, that era. That's what's up. So now as we – you know, shift into the NFL says you, you know, you're transitioning to more of a focus on the NFL when you're with the ringer The the question of course, with the most recent news coming down, Cam Newton going to the Patriots and Henry, you had said this earlier that you wanted Patriots fans to suffer a little bit longer after the departure of Tom Brady. I agree. So did say that. I so did thousand percent, bro. I agree. <laughs> they need to go through, they need to go, through some struggles, man. You know, they've been killing that division for pretty much since Tom Brady been the starter. Yeah, but I, I'm happy for Cam, though. I absolutely think he deserves 
to be in the NFL. We're going to see how the, the competition goes between him and Jared Stidham. But I, I'm absolutely happy he did sign because he does deserve to be there. You know, you, just like, you know, people made these, you see how, you know, what Nick Foles is going to be getting paid for for the Bears and then, you know, all these other quarterbacks. You're just saying like, well, Cam Newton's way better than all these guys. So he just absolutely deserves to be on an NFL team. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I do think the Patriots do need to suffer for some seasons to come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That, had, oh, go, oh, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I agree with that, you know, the fans, because then you'll get to see who's the real Patriot fans out there, you know, because I believe a lot of the New England Patriot fans, especially out here in Cali, you know, they just kind of hopped on the wagon, you know, once they started winning. Right, so, right. You know, by with them going through, a, you know, some seasons with them not making the playoffs, you know, going eight and eight, you know, seven and nine. Then you'll get to see. Really real. Right, yeah, you're going to get to see, you know, who's really a New England Patriot fan. So they if definitely are to go there through. Are, yeah, if there are real ones that, I mean, my, yeah. the question I had, and Kaylin, I want to get your, your take from this. Is there any reason in your mind why any NFL team wouldn't at least call about Cam Newton? Maybe not sign, but why? how on earth he's sitting out there? How do you not at least pick up the phone for a former MVP? Yeah, no, that that blows my mind, right? Because, you know, the cliche term that general managers always use is, you know, leave no stone unturned. And the fact that there were no teams, you know, at the very least picking up the phone to inquire about Cam Newton, you know, blow, blows my mind. This is a guy who was an MVP, you know, five seasons ago, if that. And, you know, when he's at his best, is arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. So it, it definitely kind of confound, confounding, you know, to think that no teams outside of New England, you know, did their homework or at the very least, you know, inquired about it because it, it doesn't make sense when the talent is there, especially when you consider, you know, the type of quarterbacks, you know, that have starting jobs, nonetheless backup gigs um, in the NFL. There's quarterback needy teams that have starters right now, um, you know, that that definitely at their best are not capable of what Cam Newton is doing. So to me, as a general manager, as a team builder, you know, even if you have a full-time starter in place, like for you to not at least inquire about Cam Newton and potentially use him as a trade piece, like it blows my mind. It definitely, yeah. but we'll see how it, it foils out with him. I, I can't use, I've heard a lot of people mention COVID being a reason that like hindered the contact, but at least, you know, we had times in which the stay at home ban was going to be lifted where teams could organize the medicals to be cleared and things like that. So I, I agree a hundred percent. And, but the, just to, to get your take here. So on this part, and I, talked to you a little bit about this earlier we as a podcast are going to have our running back debate eventually Mm -hmm. about the value of them are you a person who believes in drafting a running back in the first round why or why not wow um and you know ever since you posed that question to me i've been sitting on it like it's hard to you know because i mean you you look at the recent examples um outside i mean even what the rams got out of todd Gurley, you know through the initial up until he got re-signed, that mega deal, like was definitely, you know, premier caliber running back. Ezekiel Elliott has given, you know, the Cowboys all kinds of production, both as a runner and receiver. And then even Josh Jacobs last year, he's arguably played at a level that was a top 10, if not top five running back. Yes, and sir. Christian McCaffrey too. So, I mean, like there's, when you look at the recent examples, and I mean, again, we're not far enough, I guess, into their careers to, I guess, like, say they're not worth the first round pick outside of Gurley who's struggling with knee injuries and we'll see if you bounce back this year with uh, Atlanta but um you there's definitely more value I think you know like it, if you can find a you know a, a decent solid running back if you're not looking for a difference maker um sure I mean like take a guy in a, a you know second third round and all that or even later but if you're if you have identified like these teams clearly have over the past few years that players can be pure difference makers and add a different dimension to your offense that wasn't there before and do it at a sustainable level, even if it, again, is only for three or four years. Um, I mean, you might as well pull the trigger because again, like you, you're what you're getting in terms of production is worth it. Um, again, it's just the health factor. That's a huge risk. 
And I mean, like, like out of those, I think what four running backs that I named, I mean, one of them is mm -hmm. already their career is looking like it's on the back end. So it's unfortunate, but um, three out of four, you're, I mean, you're, you're nailing it. Right. So yeah. it's, it's definitely, it's worth, it's a worthy debate. You know, it's a worthy debate and I don't think you can go completely wrong either way. So to shift gears, actually, it's something I thought about when we were just wanted to get you to weigh in. We have to we're all holding our tongues right now. I'm gonna let you know because we've gone in about this for like a couple months. <laughs> so we're all like I just had to remove the duct tape, you know, from my mouth. You know, just gonna say that for you, uh, Josiah, as we go back to to look at the Panthers without Cam. Mm -hmm. The Patriots without Brady, which team as we go into the 2020 season is going to be better and why? The Patriots. Out of the Patriots and the Panthers? Yeah. Yeah, you know what the, yeah I'm, I'm simply because, for one, they have the better coaching staff over there. I think, you know, I was one of those guys that felt that, you know, Brady was a big part of that, that team, that offense and everything. But I felt like Bill Belichick was too. I mean, he is. And I still feel like he is going to – you know, have that team at a respectable re, or respectable, you know, they're still going to be respectable. Um, and now adding Cam there, you know, I really think, you know, they, they're they most likely going to make the playoffs. I hate to say it because I agree with Henry. I feel like that team, that organization, the fans, everybody need to go. They need to go through some, you know, because a lot of these fans like us, you know, uh, we, we witness our team really, you know, down in the slumps here and there and, Patriots that we haven't really seen that from them and whatnot, but yeah, I definitely got the Patriots, man. I, I feel like they have the coaching staff. Um, Cam is still, he, I still respect him as a quarterback in this league. If he can stay healthy, yeah, if he can stay healthy, he'll be fine. Um, and, and you gotta, and you gotta, you gotta figure that Bill Belichick and and the coaching staff did their homework. You know, they, I'm sure they looked up all his tests and everything that he needed to do, make sure everything checks out fine. You know, so that's why they picked him up. The Panthers, and we spoke about this on a few of the podcasts before, you know, I'm not a believer in them right now just for the simple fact that the new head coach, it's a new it's a new system over there. Um, the quarterback situation is, you know. So I'm, I'm still curious on how they're really going to do things. But the Patriots, I think now adding Cam, yeah, they, they, just, they just got a little bit better. No, I would have to agree. What do you have on that, Henry? You thinking the Panthers got the better record next year or New England? I'm going to go New England, of course. you got to respect Belichick's record as what he did as a head coach since he's been a head coach in this NFL. Um, just, I, know, I know you heard you say you, just, you think they're going to make the playoffs. Do you think they're going to win their division? Well, it's crazy that you asked that question because I was just talking to, I think it was Cordy or – one of them on, on SSAW, and I said it was going to be close because it's going to come down to Buffalo and New England, you know, that I think personally. And Buffalo, I mean, they have the defense, but they got Josh Allen over there, you know. And then over here in New England, you know, it was – well, they didn't have Brady. So for a moment you thought, okay, maybe at least me, I thought Buffalo would be able to take it. But now them adding Cam, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I might lean to – I don't have an answer just yet, but I'm leaning towards New England winning that division. To answer your question, I don't know. I, I honestly think the Dolphins might might even be in there too. Because look what Brian right. Ford did with that team with Without with garbage. Like they, they were beat really New England last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they was really fighting for him, and I respected how, what he did with that team. He really had them out there playing for sixty minutes every week. And like I said, you know, players wanted to be was requesting trades and. It seemed like in the beginning, like I said, maybe in September, it seemed like players didn't want to be there. Well, we already know Mika Fitzpatrick didn't want to be there. That's why he got traded to the Steelers. But I honestly think that the Dolphins might might put up some uh, put up a fight. I mean, they signed so many free agents. Draft Do you think they're going to win the division? Huh? you think they're going to win a division? No, no. But I do think they're going to be up there fighting with them. I don't think – I honestly think the Bills are going to win the division, honestly. I like the additions that they made. That defense is pretty much coming back. So nasty. Um, Exactly. So, I, yeah, and then them adding A.J. Espinosa in the second round. I, honestly, yeah, I think they, they, added, they added some pieces. But can Josh Allen, you know, that, that's – You're right. You're absolutely right. He, did, he, got, a, he got a number one receiver on Diggs now, so it's going to be interesting. Right. And we got we to gotta respect the Patriots' defense, too, because they absolutely. was they – They're pretty much coming back, too, besides, you know, Kyle Van Noy. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're, right. absolutely, you're absolutely right. So, But to answer your question, Jordy, yeah, I'm going to still go with the Patriots – uh, Panthers have too many question marks, and just like we, just like Josiah said on the podcast when we did discuss the Panthers, 
they are, I feel like they're really going to use Christian McCaffrey, maybe about 60, maybe even 65% of that offense. I really do. You know, mm-hmm. he just got that brand new contract. He's going to be a workhorse for him. Hopefully he can, you know, stay healthy throughout the season. Cause I really do feel they're going to use him a lot. And then, you know, their draft picks, all their, their whole entire draft class was rookies. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, defensive players. So yeah. that says a lot too, but I do like the, the addition they did make, you know, Derek Brown is a real, real solid defensive tackle. Uh, Jeremy Chen, but like I said, it's just still question mark because the rookies coming into the NFL. So, you know, how fast are they going to translate to the game? Uh, they did have a great rookie last year with Brian Burns, but still a lot of question marks. But, you know, when you have Belichick over there, one of the master defensive minds ever to play, to ever coach in this game, I'm going to take that side every day. Yeah, absolutely. Kalen, where do you weigh in on who takes that division? See, I've been going back and forth on it too, but it really does come down to Josh Allen, you know, like yeah. whether or not he literally, you know, shows that he's competent consistently. And that's the thing. Like there were flashes last year, and don't get me wrong, like it's cool that the dude knows how to use his legs and he's got a cannon arm, but it's got to be consistent. And I think that's what really unfolded them in that playoff game against Houston where they should have mm-hmm. ultimately won. So Yeah, some I, key I, fumbles in that game as well too when it was ready. Exactly. And that's the thing, man. Like he's he's gotta be better one with ball security for one right, and then just right. accuracy. And it's the all areas of the field. So it, until he gets consistent on that level, I mean, I think the addition of Stefan Diggs is definitely gonna help because they, they already had a pretty good receiving court when you talk about uh Beasley and John Brown. Right. So yeah. they, they did have a pretty solid and Tyler Croft is a pretty solid uh, tight end too. So yeah. they have some solid offensive we- weapons around him. And I like what they have in their backfield too. And, and again, like we, the, the defense, like that, that's definitely what uh, Sean McDermott hangs his hat on for a reason. Mm-hmm. So it, they're definitely going to be in the mix just because of that defense for one. But again, it, it really just comes down to whether or not Josh Allen proves that he's competent over the course of the whole season. And that, that'll literally be the difference between them winning it or the division, I mean, and, you know, them potentially succumbing to the Patriots. So, right. It's pretty interesting to me because. I've always felt that since not always felt that's incorrect, but I would say since seeing Josh Allen at least play for as long as he has that the pro comp for him, if he wants to mold himself into a better quarterback is Cam Newton. And now like he's, he's got the same skill sets, got the cannon arm, big body, he can run and he's not like, you know, he can fall forward on contact. And so if he can put all those things together, Cam's strength as well has never been like, his his passing his completion percentage has never been the high point of his game when he needs to whip a laser down the field to the intermediate level or to the deep ball or coming off to play action or on third and short running the ball that's really where he's made his bread and butter and that's what i think josh allen's going to have to look towards if he's going to want to improve and so really going forward if i were to pick a team to take that division right now i said the bills before and as you brought up kaylin sean mcdermott being a defensive guy and he's really had players buy into his culture, which is we know culture is the main thing for the Patriots. So with what we have in place right now, I'm still going to ride with the Bills for now just because I simply said they're going to win 10 games even before, but it will be closer. And like you brought up, Henry, I don't think we can count out the Dolphins right yeah, now. Absolutely. I really don't. Absolutely. That's that's three very good coaches right now between Brian Flores, Sean McDermott, and of course the hoodie in there in the AFC East that when we think of divisions that are ran by strong coaches, I don't think a lot of times that the AFC East is going to pop up, but now looking at it, that's really a division that is anchored by pretty strong leadership from the head coaching position. So that's, that's where I would side right now. Uh, And then going forward, I guess beyond that, another conversation, Kaylin, we had had earlier, we had touched on was the uh, Kyle Shanahan extension. And speaking of head coaches, we'll keep it in that arena for this time being. Would you have gave him that extension at this time? Wow. I mean, like, he's just coming out. He's coming off a Super Bowl appearance. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad time. Um, I don't don't know if there's a good time or a bad time when it comes to Kyle Shannon, because I think he's going to be around for a minute. He's a young coach. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you know, one of the smartest offensive minds, you know, in the NFL, if not the most. And, I mean, considering what him and John Lynch have been able to build, you know, in such a quick amount of time, and the fact that they have a blueprint that they obviously thoroughly believe in, um, you know, why not? You know, why not lock down the guy that, you know, you want leading your franchise 
uh, for the foreseeable future. I, I don't think uh, it's it's a bad decision to hire or excuse me extend someone that's proven at, at in the caliber that uh, Kyle Shannon has can lead his team, you know, to the Super Bowl and probably potentially at some point probably win the whole thing. So I think, you know, just based on what they've done, um, you know, in very recent season or ever really ever since Kyle Shannon's been there, I, I think that he's worth, you know, the investment long term. My my only argument to that, I remember when we had the discussion, when we first started talking about it was, I believe he still had like three years left on his contract. I, my only argument is that I felt they should have waited maybe a year, maybe two, just, you know, just to see how things go, of course, with, with the season. Because remember when he was with Atlanta and they got to the Super Bowl, it seemed like he over overthought some things and maybe should have, mm-hmm. you know, ran the ball more. And then look, look what just happened in, in the past Super Bowl. The whole argument is like, why are they not running the ball? You know, especially with the two weeks prior in the NFC Championship game against Green Bay, that's all they was doing was running the ball. So – that was just my only argument, you know, because, you know, it seemed like some some coaches, and they'd be great, you know, during the regular season, but it seemed like they just buckle up a little bit when uh, when it's really clutch time. You really not a notch up the, the, the game plan, but that was my only argument. And you know what? Just to, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say to to Henry's point, yeah, he's right. I mean, there are coaches. One guy that come to my mind, and I think Kyle is a lot better than him, and it's no – well, not a lot better, but I think he's better – Marty Schottenheimer. Absolutely. You know, he was somebody that they felt like couldn't really, you know, get the job done and whatnot. But he never got his team to the Super Bowl. And I, when when Henry, when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, Henry, I thought the best point that you brought up was that they didn't need to give him the extension. He was still had two or three yeah. years left exactly. on his contract. So that, yeah, that part right there is where I could, where I could see. But you know, and me and Jordan, I think we did agree at the at the time on it that we felt like, you know, I'm fine with it, fine with the contract, but they didn't need to. You know, I think it was more just, okay, you got us to the Super Bowl, you know, and kind of like a bonus in my in my mind. Yeah, no, I I see that. What what I was going to add, and it's it's also good to bring up Schottenheimer because I feel like I noticed this with a lot of coaches, and maybe it's. It's, I see it in even young coaches and in old coaches, and I don't know where the philosophy comes from. And I think this alludes to why more teams did not pick up the phone for Cam Newton. And and this was this was echoed in a piece uh, from uh, Bill Walsh had mentioned this before within his theory is that the NFL gives you chances to retool and to improve. Only certain GMs and certain coaches are willing to do whatever it takes to win because they're so invested in winning the way they want to. And maybe Kyle, I don't, I don't believe this with Kyle because as you brought up, Kalen, as young as he is, the coaching tree that he comes from, you can't deny the success that he's had, regardless of him not winning the big one just yet. He lost to Andy Reid, who had been trying to get his single one for so long. But yet right now, maybe Kyle is on the cusp of winning. Maybe I have to to deviate from what my initial gut tells me to go win or at least try to recognize where I made incomplete decisions or inconsistent decisions and didn't rely on what was working in order to take me to that promised land. But like you said, Josiah, at the same time, didn't need to, but I do still think it's a good move that they did because of the relationship aspect. So, but yeah, it's, it's... a quick question on that right now, and I'll start with you, Kalen. Is Kyle Shanahan right now, today, in the NFL, a top five head coach? Mm. Damn. Yeah, I mean, he's – I mean, I'm trying to think. So who who would be on that list? So you got Reed, Harbaugh. I mean, who – that's what I'm trying to think. Like Reed, got, Harbaugh, you got, you got, Belichick. You got Belichick. You got Sean Payton. Oh, my God. Yeah, John, yeah, Sean Belichick. Payton. Is Sean Payton there, though? <laughs> Uh, you know, I would say so. Is yeah. he? Th- is he what? Is he there? Top what five. You mean? <laughs> top five. Yeah, he's top five. Sean Payton. So then you got to so bring, bring up Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin. Pete you know? Carroll, Mike Tomlin. Right. So so right. So who's out of? So that's five. Right. So that's five. So one of them. That's a good one. I mean, does so Doug, like, where does Doug Peterson land on that list too? Because I mean, see, Mike, the job Mike Tomlin did last year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The yeah, job he did last. Yeah. Yeah. There, it's a t- I think it's a tougher list than people give give credit. I mean, like it's a tougher list than I think a lot of NFL fans, you know, think. Absolutely. Um, 
But I mean, like, he, I think he's got to be in that top five discussion because I mean, so much of it, you know, goes beyond just the offensive part of it. I mean, if we're being real, like Jimmy Garoppolo isn't like, you know, an otherworldly talent at quarterback. And I, when you talk about the game plans that Shanahan has been able to develop, um, you know, both in, re- in regards to the passing game and the running game, like we just referenced the, the NFC championship game where they literally went, you know, according to, to what was working was the ground game. And they hammered everybody with that when throughout the entire year, the passing game had been there. So, I mean, and then when you, you count for, you know, what they've done defensively too, like allowing, I think part of coaching is delegating and understanding, you know, what your coaches do well and what your players do well schematically. Great. And I think for, they, they've done a really good job on both sides of the ball, you know, over the course of three seasons with, you know, when they first got Jimmy Garoppolo, everything changed. And I mean, that team, that roster, you know, it wasn't what it was now or what it is now. It wasn't as talented. Uh, you have foundational pieces, but I, I think that's why I think Shanahan's got to be in that top five, just because, again, it, the team building aspect and the understand, understanding, you know, how to delegate. Again, if you, you want to reference, like, I think it was like that second or third down. I remember screaming in a bar saying they could ram the football. But, <laughs> like, you know, outside of like that, and I mean, again, like the Falcon Super Bowl, that. That was a complete debacle. But outside of that, I mean, the dude is a top five coach. Yeah, that's it. We gonna have to do top five head coaches now. We realize, and as we sit here and think about this, or top ten, so <laughs> we get back to that. Almost popped off. <laughs> uh, but speaking of top tens, uh, another one to get you to weigh in, Carolyn. We had recently. On our last two po- on our last pods, we've been going over our top tens at each position, mm-hmm. and then when we get into, we each make our own top ten, and then once we do the show, we have an aggregate of all of ours, like a collective, like average where everyone's going to sit at. And we found ourselves split, but not like upset at all by any means, you know, because mm-hmm. you're splitting hairs between elite guy here and elite guy there. We'll start with tight ends because that's what we did two weeks ago, and then we'll go to receivers. But for tight ends. Are you team George Kittle or are you team Travis Kelsey? Uh, Kittle, you know, just again, because of the blocking aspect. Absolutely. Um, not that Kelsey isn't Reach. a good blocker, but I mean, like George Kittle is, he's kind of like Gronkowski where he literally is an arguably an elite, you know, six offensive tackle when he's asked to block along that line of scrimmage. That dude is an animal. So I think what, what he adds in that dimension of the offense, I think that's what makes him just slightly uh, better than Kelsey, but arguably you you could make the case that Kelsey's a better receiver. So I think it's like you guys mentioned, like it's kind of splitting hairs there. Um, man, it's hard to, to rank the the rest of the list. I mean, Zach Ertz got to be up there. Um, man, I'm trying to think like Higby when he's out, like Waller had a crazy season. Hunter Henry, when he's healthy, like there, there are some difference makers at tight end. Um, but I'm trying to think top five Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz, Henry. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping. I don't know if I want to put Gronk there at number five or if I'm jumping over to you. You you must have forgot about my boy, Mark Andrews. Oh, Oh, man. I knew Henry was. I was waiting for Henry. (laughs) Crazy season last year, too. But that's what I'm saying. There's a lot. I think there's a lot more talented tight ends than, you know, I think the average NFL realizes. NFL fan realizes. Because I'm blanking off the top of my head. Forgive me for not, you know, being ready. No, we put you. I totally put you on the spot. I totally did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. Uh, We'll move to. uh, No, that's a great point. It's. When you, the thing why I think, and I've noticed this mostly when we go into the top tens, we've been doing this, and you really ask yourself, like, you know more or less who 10 guys are, but then if you're really going to sit there and say, well, is this guy better than that guy? You really got to, like, get it. You have to nitpick. You can't yep. make that list without nitpicking. So it's really hard to do. So, But to, to transition it to receivers, we were split on Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins at the top. And I'll even say this much. Are you Team Julio, Team D-Hop, or some people are Team Mike Thomas? That's tough, man. That's real tough. Because at first, I think, you know, my, my argument against Mike Thomas would have been, you know, I think he, he led the league with targets. And, I mean, he ended up in, what, 150 receptions or something like that. But he had, like, 180 targets. So that used to be my argument against him. 
but he also led the league in like yards after catch and first downs and something like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was super effective when he had the ball in his hand. And, I mean, like Julio, I mean, it, the only real knock that you could have on Julio Jones is that the dude just can't stay healthy. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, he he's a touchdown machine. I mean, well, recent season, or he hasn't been a touchdown machine. I, and that's, that's the other area that you really can't uh, make a, a strong argument for him. But, I mean, last year he, he posted, I think it was like 1,300 yards and seven touchdowns or six touchdowns or something like that. And then, again, like the, the thing with DeAndre Hopkins is, um, I mean, like he, he's just all around like natural, smooth game. But the different the thing with him is after the catch, I don't think he's as dangerous as Julio Jones. Like he, Julio's more kind of like a, a Megatron in, in the sense that, you know, the dude is a handful to bring down. And, he, and there's a chance that he could outrun you too. Hopkins isn't going to necessarily outrun anybody, and he's not going to, you know, run over three, four guys on his way to an end zone. But he's going – he's arguably the most savvy route runner in the league. So, man, if I, if I was going to go at the top, I'd probably personally say um, Julio, and then I'd go DeAndre Hopkins. But I think, you know, I, I think it's interchangeable between those three because Mike Tom is definitely, you know, after the year he had last year, um, is definitely in that conversation. Yeah, yeah my, my my only argument because I remember I had DeAndre Hopkins one. I know Josiah also had him one. And my biggest I had argument, Julio one. Yeah, and my biggest argument with him was he didn't have the luxury of having Drew Brees his whole career. Same thing with Julio Jones. Julio Jones had Matt Ryan his whole career. DeAndre Hopkins barely just had Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, just for a couple of Exactly. Because remember that one season, De- I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson got hurt for the whole year. So he was dealing with the TJ mm-hmm. Yates. He was dealing with the Ryan Mallets, the Brian Hoyer. You know what I mean? And, you know, you brought up a great point of talking about, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. There's a lot of times where, you know, he's not able to do so much after the catch. But some of that's on the quarterback, I feel, because they're not hitting him in that slant route where he can keep running and catching and go. He's always having to adjust because he's always dealing with inaccurate quarterbacks, which also, Still just shows how great he is because even though he has to adjust mm-hmm. to the ball, he still is making some uh, getting that yak, as we like to say it. So that was my only argument because, you know, Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterback, Matt Ryan, he's probably borderline a Hall of Famer. So that was my only argument that because, you know, he didn't have the luxury. He barely just got Deshaun Watson. They drafted him, what, three years ago? So that was, that was my only option and why I would have had DeAndre Hopkins. One, he, look at what he's done with the QBs he's been working with. Yeah. To to that though, actually, after we did that pod, I looked it up. He his two best seasons was the year that he had the four quarterbacks of yeah, yeah, Yates. Yeah, that's what his number was crazy. Yeah, but the, he's but then since having Watson, he's only had one season that compares to that year, and the, I don't use it as necessarily like a knock to him because how DeAndre how D Hop's game works to me, like when I watch him especially in the all 22, you don't see him getting crazy separation on a route. But what you do see is this dude, it doesn't matter. Just throw him the ball. He's just going to catch it. He's going to come down with that contested ball. And so many times those quarterbacks are just like when TJ Yates was back there, when Brandon Whedon was back there, when Ryan Mallett was back there, when Hoyer was back there, they basically, in their mind, the play was DeAndre Hopkins is running a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I don't care what it is. The rest of the play is. I know what DeAndre Hopkins is doing because that's where I'm throwing the ball. So, so in to your point, Kalen, with what Mike, what we saw with Michael Thomas last year, yes, he was he he was shattered with targets. He was peppered all day long. They just kept seasoning him with targets, and that's the same thing during that season with DeAndre Hopkins that he got that same treatment for. But nonetheless, at the same time. He's had his all-pro seasons with Watson and not without him. So it's a pretty interesting dynamic when you study trash quarterback value, I guess, in comparison to a top-five quarterback value with what you have with Watson. Very interesting to look at. Uh, one, the other actually topic now that I want to want to get to before we break, and I'll let uh, uh, Josiah, you go in here. Do we get football, man? Are we getting it this year? <laughs> man i mean it doesn't make sense you know and this is definitely from a personal stance i i'm not going to talk like I've, I've talked to anybody on the inside who knows or whatever but on a personal level 
I mean, I, I figure it's kind of impossible just because like with football, granted, you can, you know, sit people out, you know, and play. I mean, like you get a week to recoup and everything else. But I mean, what happens if a guy contracts it? Right. Let's say you're playing preseason ball and, you know, the Saints travel to go play the Ravens. If Drew Brees catches, you know, COVID and he finds out after the fact, like, what do you do with the Ravens and what do you do with the Saints? Because, I mean, health officials say, hey, you got to quarantine for 14 days, right? So that's literally two weeks that you're going to be missing. And th- this is just in a preseason scenario. So, I mean, it, it, it would, you know, screw up the entire schedule from that aspect. And now you're at, like, now you're trying to play that scenario during the regular season. And personally, I'm just not sure how it works out, you know, even with social distancing and everything else. It's different with, you know, like Europe and other countries who have restarted their sports leagues because they've gotten those numbers all the way down. They have literally diminished their curves and they've been able to, you know, social distance and everything else. You're going to have, you know, what, 90 players come in for an NFL squad or whatever, 75 or whatever it is for a preseason squad, for training camp and everything else from all over the country. And you don't know where these dudes have been and whether or not they're fully healthy. Some of these guys are asymptomatic, especially athletes, because they're among the most, you know, elite bodies in, in the world True. so it's it's going to be interesting to see when it you know triggers in a player who isn't asymptomatic and you know how far and drastic you know the symptoms um affect them and i hope it's not high but it, it's a dire situation potentially for someone that could be at risk so personally on a personal level i do not see how you know we get nfl football this year but hey we'll, we'll see they're charging along like they're going to do it, so we'll see. Josiah, you think we get in football? Oh, man, that's a tough question, man. You know, I, I, the NFL, like Caitlin said, they're, they're pushing like, you know, we're definitely getting football. Part of me feel like I think we are going to get football. Maybe that's more of my heart speaking. Um, just because they've had so much time to try to – work around the whole COVID situation as far as maybe how they're going to have the fans or if they're not going to have fans, maybe they're going to have a, um artificial crowd. You know, they've had a little bit more time than some of these other sports to prepare for these games, but it's kind of hard. You know, like Kaylin said, it's, it's, it's pretty tough because the traveling and then it's, it seems like every time, every time I look at my phone and they're mainly college players, but every time I look down on my phone, you're finding out about somebody that has COVID. You know, and as serious as it is, you know, I know a lot of people is healed from it, but a lot of people has died from it as well. And, you know, they're trying to avoid uh, people, other people catching it. So I, it's it's kind of tough, man. I, You know, I don't know. I think my heart is saying, yeah, but my mind is saying it's it's almost going to be impossible, like Kaylin is saying. I hope not, though. I, I But it we, we're going to have to we're going to have to see because even without the fans, even if they take the fans out. Like I just mentioned, the players are catching it. So, you know, I, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. Not sure. What about you, Henry? Yeah, I'm 50-50 on it as well. It's like Jalen brought up great points, and all of his points are 100% correct. You know, one player gets it, then, then you're going to have to test pretty much that whole entire team, and it's like it could be just a big head. It's a lot of time that can go into that. But then it's like, you know, just I remember Josiah made up a great point a while ago. He said the NFL got lucky with the timing of it all because pretty much the NFL season just ended, so they have all these months to prepare for it. So it's like, does it really happen or doesn't it happen? But I, like I said, I'm 50-50 on it, just like Josiah said too. My my heart saying, yeah, because, man, football is my patch, and that's like my everything. So I'm hoping yeah. it goes through. I'm hoping they – Figure out a good solution to keep the players protected, keep everybody that's involved protected, and you know, be able to still have the season go on. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Hopefully, the vaccine comes out. Maybe if a vaccine is, you know, created, you know, by that by that time around August or September, something of that nature, maybe, and it's effective and it works, and you know, and maybe they won't feel too. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe that would help their their chances of feeling like, well, we could play. And if something happened, you know, at least there's a vaccine out. But even then, that could be a, a risk, you know, with the vaccines and whatnot. So true. It's 
the thing with and you you've said this Kaylin with like what European leagues have done in order to allow them to play and I think this is evident on it seems to be within you know the the social response to wearing a mask and social distancing the US has been the one that's pushed back the most against the mask like if we're going to open up the economy and we're going to start all this stuff up again and we're going to get back to what could be normal eventually phase one phase two wherever your city or county is at asks that you wear the mask and then you still have people who want to go against that and if we have too many people going against that then we're not going to get things such as football we're not going to get things such as concerts and like you said henry that's that's your passion that's mine too and if we don't get football we don't get concerts next year or at least towards the end of this year man it's gonna be it's gonna be sad. And I'm hoping with my head that it happens. But ultimately, yeah, I gotta say I'm I'm 50-50 on it. And I think the main the main occurrence that's gonna have to take place is that everyone abides by, you know, as as annoying as it is to wear a mask and all this. I work in healthcare, so I gotta wear that that stuff all day. So it's 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 tough for to get it's it's tough to be able to, you know corner herd mentality, I guess you could say, and to, to, to take a large group of people and to get them all to commit to it. But hopefully that's the track we're on, man. Cause man, if we, if we do get football next year, Kalen, I don't know if you're a fantasy football player, but who's your first pick? Oh man. Last year I wiped people out. I, I took like McCaffrey one, I, like every in three leagues, I took Lamar Jackson, my last pick and I won all three. First time in my life. He was still um, available? That. Oh yeah, last pick in three drafts. It was it was incredible. Um, yeah, came up that rookie season, so a lot of people didn't really didn't know too well. Didn't believe in him, so to say. Oh he yeah, said, last round though. Yes, and I, I want to get in those leagues. I'm tempted to take McCaffrey again, but I don't know because it's a completely different offense. Um, just because I think, like again, like the reception. I don't know if y'all are playing like PPR or PPR only for me. And that's what I'm saying. Like, so he gives you so much value, not only because he's touching the ball all the time, but, you know, he's also, you know, getting receptions. So I think that's where the value is. But I mean, Lamar Jackson, bro, it's (laughs) I mean, if he has if he's able to replicate the kind of success he had last year, then shoot, um, it's tough because, I mean, running back is kind of thin. So I guess I'd go McCaffrey. I think I'd have to. Uh, uh, Henry, are you are you going McCaffrey as well or you who are you going first? My bias self is taking LJ. Oh well, I gotta do it. First round, oh. <laughs> I gotta do it. Well, yeah, Christian Christian McCaffrey would definitely be up there as well. But yeah, if I'm taking my money, I'm definitely going. Um, I'm going LJ, and I think a, a sleeper. I think it's, I think a sleeper is gonna be J- uh, Josh Jacobs because I think Gruden gonna be running that rock this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he he runs it every year. Josh, that's a good one. That's a good sleeper. Yeah, I think I think I think Josh is definitely gonna be a sleeper. Do some play action for Henry Ruggs. I'm telling you, I like it. Josiah, who's who's your first pick? Yeah, I, I got to agree with Henry, man. I Lamar Jackson. You know, I mean, because the reason that what Kalen said, we're not sure how that offense is. I mean, we kind of know how the offense is going to look if you go back and look at Matt Rose's, you know, how he runs his offense over there in college, but. It is. It might take a little minute for them to get adjusted to it, and I do think you know I agree with. Actually, I think McCaffrey's gonna, you know, be a bigger part of sixty percent. I'm looking at about seventy five percent of that offense. Really do think that, you know, because we talked about it a few podcasts ago, and and I think I said about seventy five. That's I I do feel that way, man. Teddy Bridgewater, you know, I mean, we've seen what he can do, and I don't want to dive too deep into it, but we've seen what he can do over there with Sean Payton. But I think that was more with. Sean Payton, and he's not really a downfield passer like that, you know, and I think he'll benefit more if he had a, a dominant runner. So I do think they're going to run the ball more. It's just, you know, how they're going to do it, the pistol and whatnot, how they're going to really, you know, how is he going to incorporate his offense, you know, with Christian McCaffrey. So with LJ coming into his third year, um, yeah, I, I got to go with LJ, man, because he could do it all. You know, obviously we know he can run the ball well. You know, he can he can run out of the pistol, so he's going to get you the yards, the fantasy yards on, on on the ground. And then you know he he could he could put up points. You know, so definitely got to go LJ there. I I probably might have to go Christian McCaffrey, man. I might have to just do that. 
just for PPR because that's like 80 extra points just for him catching the ball, not counting the yards and the TDs and everything. I'm just, again, philosophy-wise, like quarterback in the fantasy league in the first round. I mean, if there's anyone to do it, I mean, there's honestly two guys you could do. I think Patrick Mahomes, LJ, you know, kind of split there. But, oh, man, I don't even want to think about a reality where we don't get football. I don't even want to do that. Yeah, man, I really like that question, but <laughs> uh, it, it, bro, it's 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 reality. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah. Well, uh, anything else want to get to, fellas? Uh, I think we covered. I think the majority of it. Yeah. 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 That's pretty much that. Kalen, we appreciate you being on. Uh, what can we look out for you to do going forward, stay in tune with, with what you're doing with the ringer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like you can follow me on Twitter at Kalen Jones. Um, as far as like the content is concerned, you know, they're going to have me on NFL, the NFL beats. So it's kind of the national league at large, just kind of pushing narratives forward and, you know, talking about you know, analyzing, you know, some of the latest things that's happening. So stay tuned for that. All right. Appreciate you being on, man. Thank you very much. Of course, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. you. Yeah, we'll we'll be back. uh, Absolutely, man. Very welcome. Uh, We'll be back next week uh, going back to our top tens. And uh, I'm I'm just going to put the energy into the air when we do get the season back. Kalen, we would love to have you on to recap a week of football. Of course, man. Just let me know. (laughs) For sure. That's our show. Be sure to email us with your questions, comments, and statements. CoverZeroPodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to like us by supporting our Facebook page. You can find us at Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. And if you want more exclusive content, feel free by clicking join when you want into the SSAW family by typing in Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide Group. See you next week.